0: Please open your Bibles to John chapter 5. Moving into this fifth chapter this morning. And it has me considering, pondering, wondering why there is so much sickness and suffering. You just heard fruit of part of our prayer list here at Trinity, which, which swells at times. It's not just here. Anytime you gather a group of Christians together for prayer, sharing prayer requests, making a list, it's easy to come away with a list that's as long as your arm. Cancers, strokes, heart issues, disabilities, surgeries, infections, complications thought a lot about that this week, partly in light of last week's passage from John, the, the healing of the official son, which we saw was just an amazing healing. It was done long distance, some 15 miles away. Jesus just speaks and the healing happens. And then last week in, in 242, uh, we had a, a little smaller crowd than normal because of the threat of severe weather, but, but a rich, rich time where we wrestled with some difficult questions so much sickness and suffering, why do some people get the healing that they desire and pray for and others don't? That's hard. It is hard to watch two people or two families. Each loves the Lord, trusts Him, believes His goodness, His power, His ability to heal. And one person or one family receives the thing that they've prayed for and another doesn't. Why is that? And and so that's still been in, in my mind and on my heart this week and we've got this passage before us today and it's another healing. And it's a doozy. And so there was already something stirring in me and bubbling up, if you will, and then midweek... Karen brings to me the copy of the bulletin to proofread. And I saw the call to worship. And I could see, I could see how it fit in with what we were talking about last week, and the passage this week. And I've mentioned to you before, and I hope you believe this, it's, God loves to exercise his sovereign control over the details of our liturgy and our worship right? Because whenever you sense that, ooh, these hymn lyrics really fit in nicely, or or this, that, or the other, that is totally a God thing when that happens, because we're planning this out weeks in advance, right? Partly because we're a a small operation, we're just trying to work ahead. Partly because I'm really, really bad at predicting where I'm going to be in the sermon text on a particular point in time. I can never tell if a passage is going to be one sermon or four sermons until I get into it. And so we plan these things in advance. Some are even on a rotation, right? These calls to worship, we rotate through them every nine or ten months or something like that. But it's no accident that we hit Psalm 103 this morning. Did, did you sandwich between these two passages in John with these two healings? Did, did you pick up on these verses in this call to worship? We'll put them back up on the screen for you if that helps. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity? Who heals all our diseases? And I'll stop there because that's the, the kicker, right? This Lord who heals all your diseases. That is obviously and must be a true statement because it's in God's Word. And if you've been around here long, you know that we hold the authority and the inerrancy, the truthfulness of God's word very highly. We take that seriously. So obviously this is true. And yet, I have rejoiced with my brothers and sisters in Christ who have received the healing that they prayed for, and I have wept with those or with the families of those that did not receive. this passage today helps a bit with that tension. It's going to blow some of us away. It's going to poke holes in what some of you believe about healing and faith. So stand if you're able. John chapter 5 verses 1 through 14. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, and while I'm going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, take your bed, and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath, and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, The man who healed me, that man said to me, Take up your bed and walk. They asked him, Who is the man who said to you, Take up your bed and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn, as there was a crowd in the place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. May God bless, richly bless, the preaching of his inspired, inerrant, infallible, and authoritative word. Let's pray. O oh Lord, would you come in these moments, You've given me some strong words to say this morning. And I pray that Your Holy Spirit sifts them. I pray that these, Your people who hear them, would do their due diligence and they would weigh them in accord with the full counsel of Your Word. Ultimately, Father, I pray that You show us the Son That you increase our faith. That you increase our faith in your goodness. And that we come away this morning full of hope. And full of an expectation of your healing power. I ask this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Please be seated. There is so much good stuff here, so much to dig into, but I'll just tell you right off the bat, we're going to leave a lot of meat on the table this morning. We will get to it eventually because it's filet mignon, right? We're not going to waste it. This violation of the Sabbath, not even going to touch it this morning. Uh, Jesus equating himself, which I even ended up cutting that out of the the passage here. Jesus ends up equating himself with the Father in defense of this alleged Sabbath violation, not getting to it. This morning, a narrow focus on the healing. And three organizing thoughts to help center and focus our minds. Who Jesus heals. How he heals. And why he heals. So first thing, who Jesus heals. Let's set the stage. Look at verse 1. There's a feast in Jerusalem. Jesus goes up. Now John is often making references to the feasts in his narrative. Passover. Feast of booths. Tabernacles. what What have you. And oftentimes Jesus' teaching is thematically tied to whatever festival is at hand. But John doesn't tell us this time which feast it is, because apparently it's not important. Right? It's not linked to what he's saying or doing. But we can be sure that he's there on purpose. Right? It, it's not accidental or inconsequential, just like it wasn't an accident that he had to go through Samaria back in chapter 4 so make no doubt he's got a purpose which will soon be obvious enough verse 2 the the setting a pool by the gate where you bring the animals in colonnades surrounding it there's a picture for you visual learners my son has requested more pictures in the slide so there you go buddy scholars believe this is where the sheep were given a bath before they make their final appearance at the temple so it's not especially a hygienic pool, not a very desirable area, not where the well-bred and the well-healed would congregate. Instead, verse three, who's here? A multitude of undesirables. Lame, blind, paralyzed." Verse five says, "There was one guy there in particular, 38." What a sad case. In those days, 38 years, that was your life. <laughs> one man was there. No, wait. Verse 3 said there was a multitude there. They were everywhere. You couldn't throw a rock and not hit somebody who needed a healing. But Jesus just heals one is he the lord who heals all your diseases if so jesus what's up there was a multitude that there that day at the t- at the pool but it wasn't just that day at the pool read the gospels jesus heals a bunch of folks But when you add up all that bunch of folks, that's still a tiny minority of the people that he encountered. Not everyone got their healing. Why did four friends tear open a roof to lower their friends down? Why didn't they just politely wait in queue outside the house for their turn? They tore the roof open because they knew they likely wouldn't get their turn. They knew everybody wasn't getting their healing. Why did the woman with the issue of blood work her way through the crowd in desperation? I've got to just touch him. Why didn't she just wait? What's the big hurry? Because she knew. One commentator even picked up on this and tied it to the Old Testament. It's not just Jesus, the days of Elisha. Tons of people died. Only one child was raised from the dead. People starving to death like crazy in the famine during Elijah's time. One household's hunger was alleviated. See, read it carefully and see what you find. But these instances of supernatural intervention seem to be the exception and not the rule. You read. You test that and see. Who does Jesus heal in this passage? One man out of a multitude. Now, is he being cruel? Or is this part of his plan and design and I confess and admit to you right now I'm going to leave some unanswered dangling questions this morning let's keep digging and wrestling the second thought to consider this morning is how does Jesus heal so this man is there this man sees Jesus and he just begs him oh Jesus would you please heal me no no Nope, that's not what happened. Jesus sees him. Jesus said to him, verse 6, Do you want to be healed? See, this is Jesus' initiative. Here's why he just so happens to be at this feast, at this time, at this pool in Bethesda that day, because of this one guy. Just like he was in Samaria at that well for that one woman There's this one guy here that he wants to heal. It's Jesus' sovereign decision. Don't miss that. Very clearly, in this instance, how Jesus heals is through his own initiative and choosing. Now, how else does Jesus heal? Well, normally, usually, when you're talking about a healing you're also talking about the faith that's required, right? You've got to have faith to be healed, right? So you hear things like, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. One of my all-time favorites. Lord, if you're willing, I believe that you can make me whole. So when Jesus asks this man if he wants to be healed, does he get one of those responses? Do we see the man's faith? Not exactly. And it depends on how you read verse 7. At best, he's just down in the dumps, right? And boy, he's 38 years, y'all. He's discouraged. He has not gotten the healing that he's looking for. But at worst, this could even be along the lines of, Do I want to be healed? What a stupid question. Why else am I laying here by this stinking pool if I don't want to be healed? Of course I want to be healed. I don't know which it is. But either way, it's not like this man is oozing faith. This man's healing comes without great Faith. Honestly, this man's healing comes without any faith. Which I thought was this non-negotiable and prerequisite for getting your healing in the first place. But even without faith, Jesus heals the man. And how he does it is according to his own means. He doesn't use the pool. He doesn't pick up the man and carry him down to the pool and put him in it. He doesn't stir up the water for him. He doesn't go get some of the water and pour it on him or splash it on him. He just speaks his healing into existence. Get up. And the man gets up. (laughs) And he walks off. Which is is no small feat if you think about it. 38 years of paralysis, can you imagine the muscle atrophy and weakness? Can you imagine, even if the paralysis was instantly healed, how much physical therapy and rehab to to regain muscle tone and strength to even be able to walk, but this guy just gets up like he never missed a step. That's what happens when Jesus heals you. Jesus healed the man according to his own means and not according to any of the man's superstitious beliefs about how healings happened. May I say that one more time? Jesus healed this man according to his means, not according to any of that man's superstitious beliefs about how healings happen. And so this is as good a time as any to deal with this. I need a show of hands. How many of you noticed that there wasn't a verse 4? Okay, good. You're the perceptive ones. Verse 3, verse 5, wait a minute. Now, if you have the King James Version, you didn't miss anything. Because in the King James Version, you'll find a longer verse 3 and a verse 4 that goes that ends up reading something like this. This multitude was there, Let's put that on the screen. Um, uh oh. I'll just have to read it to you. All right, so this multitude was there, and, and here's what gets added. There it is. This multitude was there. They were waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons into the pool and stirred the water. Whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was healed of whatever disease he had. But if you've got any translation from the last 30 or 35 years, the NIV, the New American Standard, the ESV that we usually use around here, that's not in there. And it's not in there because it wasn't originally a part of God's Word. None of the oldest manuscripts, the handwritten copies, none of them have this in there. It appears that it was added at a later date by a scribe, who had been dutifully copying down the scriptures so that some other guy could have a copy of the scriptures. And when something gets added like this, it's called a gloss. That's the the name for it. Something added, probably very well-intentioned, to help explain something that that scribe said, gosh, this really needs some explaining, doesn't it? There's a gap here that needs to be filled in. People might be confused. Let me help them out. And, and there's a handful of occurrences in the Bible where we see this. The ending of Mark's gospel is like that. Right? We'll find it later on in our study of John. The very end of chapter 7 and the beginning of chapter 8 is like that. The woman called in adultery. Here's the good news. Listen for the good news, though. With the wealth of manuscripts that we have, right? an embarrassing wealth of riches. We have so many handwritten copies of God's word that it is easy for people much more learned than I am to to compare those things and identify where these glosses happened and to end up with with near absolute certainty what God's word originally contained now here's the even better news even if that weren't the case even if that weren't the case none of these instances with these glosses concerns any foundational, critical part of the gospel. Not a single one. That's the even better news. Nothing of import lies in, hangs in the balance. Ooh, what do we do here? No, none of that. Now, here's how I think this one went down. I think this additional info in verse 3 and 4 was well known at the time. It's what lots of folks believed, and it's what lots of folks passed on to each other as if it were gospel truth. But just because it is well known and frequently shared doesn't make it true. I think this business about the water being stirred up and having healing powers was common knowledge, although erroneous knowledge. Scholars says, say that the pools probably did move at times, fed by intermittent springs. And while that knowledge, that information does fill in the gap, and it explains verse 7 a little bit, right? Because the guy's making reference to stirring of waters and, and getting down there, but somebody, right? So it, it helps explain his frustration and his hopelessness, but it's just a foolish superstition and doesn't belong in god's word as if it is a belief that is sanctioned and supported by other parts of scripture unfortunately lots of things get passed around that way as if they were the truth when in fact not i could give you several examples don't get me started on people talking about people becoming angels when they die right Stop that, right? But here's an example that, that, that is germane to this topic of healing, especially in light of this psalm from our call to worship. He's the Lord who heals all your diseases. Well, it's hard to deny that there are indeed lots of folks who don't get their healing. So then the things that people start saying to try to explain that and try to reconcile uh, he's a God who heals all our diseases but all our diseases aren't getting healed and so people start to say things like well, it's a matter of how much faith you have as to whether you get your healing or not. See, the Lord wants to heal you. But it's the quality of your faith that makes the difference. It's whether or not you know how to receive your healing. That's what makes the difference. See, they recognize, it's hard to deny that not everyone gets the healing that they pray for. And so some figure, well, I guess the best thing to do here is to blame the person who didn't get healed. You didn't get your healing because you didn't believe enough. Your faith was lacking. Friend, if someone gives you that garbage, if you hear someone teaching that or preaching that, know that it is a lie. It is false teaching. It is heresy. It comes from the pit of hell, and as Steve Brown would like to say, it smells like smoke. It's no better than the superstition about an angel stirring up the water. Oh, and if you're quick enough, if you hurry, which, how cruel is that? How cruel is that to tell a bunch of blind and paralyzed people, if you're quick enough, you can get your healing? Rubbish. Don't let anyone place that burden on your shoulders we clearly see in this example today healings can come not just in the presence of weak faith but in the presence of no faith because they come as a result ultimately of Jesus initiative and means not ours now we've got one more point Some of y'all looking at your watches and y'all are nervous. We're not going to get to the why he heals today, next week. But I do need to circle back around, at least briefly, and again, not answering every question, not tying it up and putting a neat little bow on it for you, but I want to circle back around to this call to worship and this, this problem of our God being Our Lord who heals all our diseases, and I think that it relates to this problematic instruction that Jesus goes back and gives the man that he heals. Right, so Jesus heals him, he slips away, but then he goes back and he finds him later for a purpose. He finds the man and he says, you're well, stop sinning. Yikes. All right, so it's going to take some time to flesh that out next week. But it's a big part of why Jesus heals. Those verses in Psalm 103, it's a psalm, it's poetry. Poetry is often constructed with parallel lines, couplets. And there's a relationship between those lines. Various relationships. Sometimes the second line states the same thing again as the first line. Sometimes the second line further explains the first line. Occasionally the second line is in opposition to the first line. But when you look at these lines, especially verses 3 through 5, all beginning with who, the Lord who, Y'all, it's no stretch at all to see the diseases referenced here in the spiritual realm. Everything else is. This isn't merely a physical healing, Though the the Lord has power. Jesus healed that man. (laughs) Make no mistake about it. He healed that one man out of the multitude. But look at this forgives all your iniquity, parallel line, heals all your diseases. Folks, those things are related. We just need to figure out how, right? What could be a more fatal disease with a 100% morbidity rate than our sin and rebellion, our iniquity before a holy and righteous God? 38 years of paralysis, oh, that pales in comparison to our disease that needs to be healed. And so obviously, this is what Jesus is doing on the cross. He's healing the worst disease we could ever have. And even this morning, we're going to come to the table and, and you know what? He's still in the process of healing us. Here's another dose of the cure this morning. More grace poured out for you. Father, would you help us? Would you heal us? Lord, if there's someone here this morning... is still underneath the wrath and condemnation of their sin and rebellion would you start their healing this morning and even as you started it's guaranteed that you'll finish it and father for the rest of us this morning as we come to the table would you give us the faith to believe that the continuing of our healing is here before us to be received by faith. Father, glorify yourself in these moments. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand.